Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the 1871 podcast and on tonight's episode it's just myself, Johnny Hunt and Dylan Kermelord from South Africa. So we're as usual joining you from three different countries, uh, myself in um, Uxbridge, uh, Johnny in Ireland and Dylan in South Africa. So hello Johnny, how are you? Good mate, dying of man flu as you all know what it's like, it's, it's hard work but I'm getting there, I'm here. Could be COVID, maybe. COVID, what if, you know, I'm off work for the week anyway, so it doesn't mean any difference to me. So oh, that's that's even worse, though. You've got the week off anyway, and you're not very well. But anyway, get well soon. Cheers. Uh, Dylan in, in South Africa, how are you? Um, I'm, I'm absolutely brilliant. It's my first, well, it's my first weekend back in Polokwane. So after the disaster trip to Libya, um, I had a very quiet weekend. No football. I watched England's game yesterday in a Shabin, which was absolutely horrendous, but what a great experience. You know, um, it's, it, it, it's, you know, when you, when you go into the worst pub you could ever imagine and times it by a hundred. Um, but they've, they've always got a, a nice 55 inch, uh, plasma TV or, uh, you know, and, and, and uh, they put the England game on and everybody loved it. So, cause they won. So yeah. it was good. Yeah, and we um, the reason we've sort of got together tonight is um, we were hoping to get Steve Coppel on as a guest for tonight's episode, um, but uh, he has said yes, it will come on. We were hoping it was going to be tonight, but uh, so far he, he's not with us. So we're going to think of think up of some other stuff to talk to you about. Uh, we'll talk about Steve Coppel, even though he's not here. Uh, we'll talk about Reading. And then uh, we'll, we'll talk about lookalikes as well, because we've been doing some stuff on Twitter as lookalikes. And we had a we had a competition, not a competition, a little quiz. I put put something out on Twitter, and I said, if you could bring back anyone from their peak, from Reading teams from the eighties, nineties, two thousands, and two thousand two thousand and tens, and you could put them in the team now, who would you choose? Quite a lot of people went for Steve Sidwell. Uh, a few people went for Simon Osborne. And Dylan Kerr was among oh, the options as well. Yeah. yeah. Although Johnny was one of them. Good lad, Johnny. Well done. Yeah. I've seen the light, Dylan. <laughs> he's, exactly. he's trying to make up, he's trying to make up the Nicky Shorey debacle. You were warned. Yeah. I'm scared, uh, mate. <laughs> but Dylan, tell you're back in South Africa now. You... you it seems like you were away in Libya for about two weeks. So 
give us a quick summary of of what happened to you in Libya. So from well, start we were, to finish. Look, Libya is a sanctioned place, and they've got they've got rules and regulations. It's very very difficult to get in and out. Um, they they don't do it. They don't do many things electronically. Everything's got to be done manually. So basically, we were supposed to fly out on Thursday. Um, uh, sorry, on Friday, arrive in Libya um, Friday night, train Saturday, and play on Sunday. But unfortunately, um, the travel agency and two people, uh, I believe, who organised the travel had completely cocked it all up. So basically, we flew from Johannesburg to Istanbul, um, and once we arrived at Istanbul, we didn't have a ticket. So basically, we were stuck in transit for 17 hours waiting to either go through to the airport lounge to go into the uh, hotel in the airport uh, or fly to Libya. And unfortunately, we didn't we didn't get in till midnight. So imagine we left 5 o'clock South African time, uh, which is 3 p.m. UK time. We arrived in Istanbul at 6, 4 o'clock UP, UK time. And then for the next 14 hours, we're stuck in this transit area no food, no water, no coffee, nothing. Uh, freezing cold. And we were waiting for someone to, to, to tell us what was happening. And luckily, the South African ambassador, the governor, um, got us through to the airport lounge, where it was a lot <laughs> it was a lot warmer for one of those restaurants and coffee shops. And then the club booked us into a hotel for the night. Uh, the next day we woke up, still in the same predicament, no flights. So we stayed in the hotel again. Then at nine o'clock Sunday morning till one o'clock Sunday afternoon, we were running around the airport trying to get flights, trying to get players from the outside back inside. Uh, we travelled to Libya with 13 players, 11 fit players, two uh, players, one who had not played and one who was injured. And when we got to Libya, we were under the understanding that we were going to play the next day on Monday we actually got off the plane got onto the bus and drove straight to the stadium played the game you know so that was that was the beginning of it, beginning of it. and then after the game which we lost 4-1 and Libya is, a, is, is where we were in Benghazi there's nothing to do there's, there's no there's no place for the players to go and relax or there was no pool or uh, there was nothing and we ended up staying two extra days in Libya because we couldn't get home so eventually we got a flight back to Istanbul. But again, the travel agent and the, the people in charge, they didn't give us a ticket to get from Istanbul to Joburg. So we were stuck in transit for another eight hours. You know, so it was it was a, an absolutely disastrous of a trip. But it is how it is in Africa. That's what the difficulty of playing in these competitions. And I want to ask you, Dylan, um, a if you like, the secret of your success, because it seems to be everywhere you go, whether it's a team at the top and, and you win a trophy, or if it's a team at the bottom and all of a sudden they start doing well when you came in, uh, when you come in. So with your current team, Maruma Gallants, um, they'd won two games all season. You joined at the end of January. And then, you know, having only won two games all season, you come in, they've won the next four games in a row. And... You've qualified for the quarterfinals of the CAFCON Cup, which is kind of the equivalent of the Europa League. So it's a big deal. You're South Africa's representatives left in the competition. Um, 
Why is it that you do? Because you've got a track record of, of doing that, not just in South Africa, but in Tanzania, in Vietnam, in Kenya. What what is it? What difference is it that you go in and make to teams? I think I'm just bringing a bit of fun and a bit of laughter into into the place because it, the seriousness of players in Africa it's all about money. It's all about money, and and I can understand why because they don't just look after themselves. It's not like a you know a typical British family where. You know, you you don't really look after your mum and dad and your aunties and uncles and your, your nieces and nephews, grand grandchildren, great grandchildren. You don't do that here. You know, a, a player who's got financial stability, they they have to pay. You know, their family members. So the, some of them will look after ten. Some will look after fifteen. Some will look after twenty players. You know, so um, it, it it's it's really crazy. But hang on, let me just push on me. Well, Dylan's speaking now to one of his players, I think. And um, the next question I'm going to ask him is about his visa situation because he, I don't know what it is and we want to, we want to know. Dylan's trying to bring in one of his players at the moment to, to talk about it from his perspective, I think. He's just sort of disappeared. Um, but uh, here, here he comes. Dylan, I wanted well, to ask you. Um, I had Washington at TTM when we won the Ned Bank Cup. Yeah. You know, he won this player of the tournament, you know, and I'm going to take it. I'm stealing it. Okay. Um, <laughs> you didn't get one. No, I didn't get one. I mean, you know, coach of the tournament didn't work for me, but you know, I, I know, I know coach of the tournament. So if, you know, it was me. I, didn't, I don't need a trophy for that. But um, I had Washington before, um, and I had and and it, you know, obviously two years later, he's still here. So I think you know you're, that question you asked me. I think you're better off asking uh, Washington that that question. Yeah, well, before um, before you get him on, Dylan, I just want to ask you about your visa situation because this is a recurring problem for you. You're at the moment you're working without a visa, so you can't, you know, sit on the bench and do your job properly. And as I understand it, you're not getting paid either. Is that right? What's that? So tell us about the visa situation. Why can't you get a visa? I don't think the chairman wants me to have a visa, to be fair. I think um, I've been here now six weeks. The process takes about four weeks, so that's another four weeks that's going to take over. I can't be paid because I've not got no work visa. Um, I'm on the system. I shouldn't be. It's not as if I'm new in the country, uh, but unfortunately, the, the problem is I've got to do due process and follow due process. And it takes time. It's going to take me six weeks to get my dual uh, residency. So I might actually do that one. But if I'm honest, I want to look maybe at the possibility of coming back to England um, at the end of the season and, and maybe try and look at, you know, speaking to Noel at Reading, speaking to Parkett, um, Wrexham, if, if hopefully he gets promoted. See if there's any academy jobs. So, yeah, it's it's a strange one. You know, it's it's not it's not it doesn't help when you're in the stands and you know you get a great view of the, of the game, but getting a message down to the bench is very very difficult. And and sometimes them decisions, like Colin Lee said last week, that was a great analogy of what he what he spoke about making them brave decisions, them big decisions. And against Mamelodi Sundowns in the Ned Bank Cup, 
the, the miscommunication of myself and the, the guy on the bench, he took the wrong player off. And <laughs> um, that kind of, whether we won or not, you know, who knows now, but, you know, that, that miscommunication is very, very difficult. Yeah. Um, Dylan, I don't know if you can bring your player in now and, and just sort of give a little introduction to him. And then, Johnny, do you want to ask um, Dylan's player some questions about Dylan and, and his methods and how... I, I, do, I want Dylan to still talk to me at the end of this, Mark. Yeah, fair um, enough. <laughs> Go on. I'm going to hand it over to you. So, Dylan, have you, is he there? I'm, I'm, I, he's outside. I think he's talking to his He's gone a bit shy. All right. Okay. We'll come back to it. Go on, Johnny. I'll uh, I'll let you take over now. Just just have a chat to to Dylan, and and obviously we were kind of the reason for this is yeah, it's great for the three of us to get together, but we were actually hoping to get Steve Koppel on tonight. He's not been able to make it, so we're we're sort of making this up as we go along. So, Johnny, I hand it over to you to have a a quick uh, quick chat with Dylan, ask him whatever you like. <laughs> Dylan, in all seriousness, like when I mean, you're not getting paid to do your job. How the hell do you keep going? And, you know, like, it must be a difficult situation, aside from the football, aside from coaching, for you personally. Well, it's, 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 I love the game. I love, it's all I've ever wanted to do since I was five years old. You know, the sacrifices I've made, Johnny, in, in life, you know, with, you know, family, you know, having kids. And don't get me wrong, I would have loved to have a son or a daughter. Um, I'd love to. I, I was married once upon a time, and you know, it's it's you know, not having that responsibility has given me the op- opportunity to go and travel the world and do something that I love doing. You know, but unfortunately, getting back into Europe, getting back into England or Scotland, even Scotland, is very very difficult. But I was out of work for for three months. You know, after I left Swallows, yeah, and the opportunity came to to help the chairman out. And, you know, he's a good guy, the chairman. You know, he's a bit misunderstood, uh, but he's a good guy. And, you know, he's, he's he's put a lot of money, put a lot of time and effort into this club. And I just thought, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd come and, you know, try and help him, which, touch wood, so far, we've, we've done really, really well. Um, but, you know, there's, there's only a certain amount of time you can, you know, sit at home, you know, walk on the beach, go for a swim in the sea. Well, he didn't even swim in the sea because it was polluted. Um <laughs> And, and and basically waste your time sat in a bar. And we, remember, we spoke about Brian McDermott when we spoke yeah. to Brian. You know, yeah. I was in a situation where you, you could get trapped in that environment where there's a lot of older people, you know, I'm talking 60, 70 years old, who are sat there drinking whiskey, drinking pints, drinking shooters, you know, because of, it's, because of that all of the environment. You know, so and I, I, so I became, you know, trapped in that world for about three, four weeks. Yeah, and 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 I actually didn't like it. You know, it was great because you you were, you were you were talking, you were watching the football on TV, you were watching cricket, you were watching rugby, uh, but you know, it was always you know you you were the group, and then that group would leave, and another group would come. By the time you'd finished, you know, you'd had two or three pints. You were talking, you know, in 10, 11, 12. And you were there, like, basically the whole day. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I actually, from, from a mental side of things, I needed to I needed to do something. And, you know, this, this was a good opportunity to try and rescue not only, you know, this team, but also 
keep this this legacy I've got of you know making teams survive. Um, previously, it's it's really really been I've been really full on with it, and this time I'm not really full on with it because I know with this team of players, with a little bit of luck and a little bit of fortune, we could survive. Yeah. You know, and, and the thing is, I had less time now than I did in the previous clubs. So I'm, I'm, I think I'm six games, you know, less than what I had been previously. So I just, I just love the job. I just love go, going out and working. And I'll give you an example, Johnny. Today I turned up for training and the players didn't want to play. They didn't want to train. So for two hours, two hours, I'm sat there. I'm just, there in the meetings and it's all about bonuses for CAF. Um, and then I said, right, guys, it, it is a situation. It is a scenario. If you go on strike today, the chairman's got full of, he, he can full on fire you because you brought the club into disrepute. You're not doing your job and he, and he can fire you. I said, look, all you need to do is train. We'll have a good session. You know, we'll, be, we'll start at 12, we'll finish at 1. So we'll only do an hour. You know, because you know the mind's not there. They don't want to yeah. do it. And I said, look, you've got 10 minutes. I'll blow this whistle. If you want to stay, stay. If you want to go, go. But the consequences are down to you, not to me. You know, and anyway, they, they ended, everybody ended up training. We trained till 1.30, so we did an hour and a half. Yeah. So that, that's that's what I love about it, you know. And, and, you know, having that respect to the players as well, even though even though they, they, they'd kill me in a heartbeat, you know, if, 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 they, if they wanted to. Yeah. Uh, because what they do, the, 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 the one will talk to two, two will talk to four, four will talk to eight, and all of a sudden it becomes a problem. When all you come sudden, in, Dylan, like when you, you come into a club like you do as like the emergency saviour, what's your mindset? Like say like if you were coming into Reading before you know the last eight games of this season, we need to stay up like you do where you've been. You come in and save clubs. What do you go in first thing? What's your mindset? How do you how do you go about that process? What's the first thing you look for? Or no, first thing you tell the play, first thing you do is tell your players right. Whatever's happened before, it goes. It goes. He's gone. Yeah, that old stuff. The old coach. The old management. All their ethics. All them ideas. It goes because it wasn't working. Because it wasn't working. And then you straight away you you, you, you you tell them look this is the three points you want to do you want to survive you want to make sure you enjoy football again and one and the last thing is you, you, you're saving your jobs you know at the end of the day you know <laughs> you, you think that you're going to be safe you think you're going to you know get another club it doesn't work like that you get relegated basically maybe out of thirty players maybe three will get a Premier League club the rest will be struggling. With the three thousand other players that get released, wow. so you, 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 you said this is this is the you know the rules, right? We're going to have fun. We're going to enjoy the game. We've got nothing to lose. You're rock bottom now. There's only one way. We're going up, you know. So either you're going to be on the same ticket as me, you know, or you're going to go on your own ticket and and you know probably fail. So get on board the bus. Let's go for a journey. And let's all be on it together. And it, it's worked four times. It's worked four times. This is the fifth time. Now, I knew the captain. And when I, when I, when I got offered the job, I asked my captain, I asked him one simple question. If I come, will can this team survive? 
And his simple answer is, yes, coach. So that was what I did. That's what I did. How, how, like, if this is your sales pitch, you deserve a job back in England. Tell them why. Because <laughs> somebody's got to listen one day, mate, because you deserve the chance. So I'm, anyone's I'm, listening out there. I'm, I'm, good, I'm good at what I do. You know, I'm, I'm, I, I don't just, I just don't play by ear. You know, I, this morning, last night, I'd done a programme for what I need to do this morning. You know, like any good coach, you know, you, you've got to, you know, you've got to be thorough with everything you do. I haven't got the luxury of turning up to training and knowing how many players are fit, how many players are going to train, how many players want to train. You know, it's a, the professionalism here is, 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 is shocking, you know, from a disciplinary per, per perspective. We don't, I, I have to come to training with a plan, right, we've got 28 players and then I'll turn up the 36 players because the, the club have invited trialists. You have to you have to change what you what you you have to tweak the things that you do, you know. And I I have to deal with problems that all all footballers in the UK don't have. You know, they don't have uh, transport issues. They don't have food issues. They don't have uh, issues where it affects the, the families. They they've got so many problems here. I have to, I have to work. Above and beyond just being a football coach, I'm a father, I'm an uncle, I'm a granddad, I'm a son, I'm a daughter. I am everything for these players because they they trust they they, they have to trust me, yeah. you know. And you know the simple thing, you know, I gave them four days break, right? They didn't respect that. They don't, you know, they don't respect it. They don't think, wow, this coach has done something good for me. They they just take it and, and think, yeah, I'll come into training after having four days off. And all of a sudden, not 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 train. You know, we'll go on strike. You know, now if you're professional, before you have the day off, you say, right, I want to meet the chairman, and then sort the differences out. Then go home, come back ready to play and ready to prepare. <laughs> the, the, the issues that I have here far outweigh the problems that say Paul Ince has got. But at the end of the day. What him and what I have got to do is, is instill that confidence and that belief, and I can do that because being a former player who's who's you know done okay, and Colin Lee somebody took perfectly when we spoke last week. Yeah, I wasn't the best defender, you know. I was a great attacker and I got a great left foot, and yes, I wasn't the defender. I agree with him. I agree with him. That's why I couldn't get in the Leeds team. You know, Tony Dorigo was better than me. Gary Speed was better than me. You know, so I understand. That, that work ethic of, of how players work. And, you know, <laughs> given the, being given the opportunity to, to speak to a chairman, to speak to a managing director, to speak to a technical director and, and explaining my philosophy, my work ethic, you know, my ethos of how football should be played. Howard Wilkinson got it right back in the early 80s and the 90s and was a success. But people didn't like him. People didn't believe him. I think maybe, you know, that, that could be part of why I'm not, you know, given the opportunity. Because they don't appreciate what football job in South Africa is like. Yeah. You know, it's a hundred times more difficult than anywhere in the world because of, except the circumstances that players have. Yeah, I've, like, I've got a question sorry, for you. Sorry, sorry, Johnny, go on, ask one more question. Then no, no, just quite, I was going to say, I was going to ask, see this, but like yourself and that. Do you think that, you know, obviously in the Premier League, do you think there's too many people behind the scenes now that overcomplicate things? You're the manager. 
you sort it out. Like back in when you were playing, you had a manager and assistant manager and maybe a couple of backroom stuff. Now you've got the analysis, the stats. Da, 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 da. Is it just make it overload? Like, it, it bamboozles you. It bamboozles you. I remember um, I, I went down, when, when the video analysis came in, I went down to Charlton when Parky was there as assistant with Pardew. And he did a video session. Now, that video session was perfect. I went Pardew down to a team. I was really, really impressed. And then I think, I think it was about five years later, maybe, maybe a bit longer, I watched the Tanzanian national team do a video analysis. And within two minutes, half the players were asleep, half the players were on the mobile phones, yeah. And this guy's doing this, and the, and the team manager didn't have a clue. And I, and and I, it wasn't in it wasn't in my position. I was there just as a, an observer. But afterwards, I said to, said to the coach, "You've just wasted an hour's analysis there because these players weren't interested, and they're not interested. They don't want to sit on a screen and, and watch a football match. You couldn't watch a ninety-minute game and have, a, have the attention span just goes like that after five minutes." You know, so it's 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 uh, the Premier League clubs now have got you know, and it's great that they've got that. It's great that they've got that. But does it help? Does yeah. it help? You know, is every Chelsea player happy that they're sat in the stand, they're sat on the bench, and not getting game time? But yet they have to go through the same process, the same, you know, and and you know, players when they're not playing are different to the players who are playing. Yeah. You know, the, there is that, isn't it? And there's, there's that. But there is a there is a divide because I'm playing and they're not playing, you know. So, Dylan, I, w- I wanted to ask you. Um, obviously, you're a former player, now a manager, head coach. Paul Ince the same, um, but you've had you've had players like Lampard, Gerard, Vieira, who have been fantastic players. There's no question about it. Absolutely amazing players that don't necessarily make successful managers um how how much of a difference does it make do you think where you know you you can sort of relate to the players because you've been a player um but you know if if you look at somebody like Graham Potter he, he wasn't a great player if you look at Arsene Wenger um Jose Marino Alex Ferguson they weren't great players Probably Brian Brian Clough was the exception, wasn't he? Because he was a great player and a brilliant manager, but part of that was was down to Peter Taylor. But um, does it help you being, you know, the fact that you were a player and you can relate to the players? Or what are your thoughts? And and what's that like for... Because you've got Paul Ince and Alex Ray, both, you know, Alex Ray was a decent player. Paul Ince, great player. You know, Man United... England, etc. What's the? Does it help you being a former player as a head coach? Well, I think I decided when I was eighteen, when I was at Sheffield Wednesday, that I liked Howard Wilkinson. Howard Wilkinson wasn't the best player, you know, and he didn't he didn't really have a glorious career as a as a as a as a, as a player. But I liked his work ethic. I liked his the way. A man managed his players, and I think that that's one of the things that uh, the, the the most successful coughs you know the Cloughs, the Fergusons, the Wilkinsons, 
um, you know, the Mourinho's, they've man managed the players, you know, and when when they do that, you, you're going to get the best out of them. And I'll, I remember when I was, at, I went back to Leeds probably 90, I think it was 95, just after I've been in, remember I got injured at Reading and I went and trained at Leeds. I went up and trained at Leeds. And who was the Thomas Brolin was there at Leeds. And I actually, I saw I saw that Howard had, had kind of lost his mojo, you know, and, and I think the players, the players then had started to, to like, you know, well, we don't want to really train like this again. You know, we want to do something different. You know, and I see, and I saw in Howard and Michael Ennigan, um, they, they, they'd kind of like lost it. You know, and, and there's a lot of managers that have had a good successful year um, and built up a good career. You've got Lampard, you've got Gerard, And then they kind of, you know, I don't know. I don't know if they become too blasé about it, become too popular, or they, they think that they, they, they're going to be a big success because of their name. You know, and, and I, I, I'm trying to think, there's, there's somebody now, I think Charlie Adam. Charlie Adam's now, you know, saying he's, he's waiting for the call um, to, to maybe get the opportunity to go and coach. And that will probably come from Blackpool or probably from Dundee. Or probably from his... Well, obviously, or, he was already, wasn't he? Already, well? yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah, already. I mean, it, that, that might happen. That might be his, 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 his pathway into the club. Uh, but he's now putting himself out there, which is 100% right. He, he was right. Um, but, you know, you, you, you can't just rest on what you've done before. You've got to keep going and keep going and keep going. And all the successful managers that are winning things and, and, and doing things have, have done that. They've, they've not, you know, just sat down and just said, well, yeah, I'm, I'm doing okay. You know, I don't have to worry about it. I want to be the next thing. I want to do the next thing. And that And, that, and that's where... You know, <laughs> fortunately and unfortunately at the same time, you know, I, I believe I can do that with, and, and, and I want to do even better the next year. But that's never happened. You know, the, 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 it always seems to be that you, you do you do one job, and then obviously other people get involved, and they think they agents think they know somebody better that can do your job, and then it, it, it doesn't it doesn't work like that. And yeah. when I was at TT chairman now. Loved everything. He loves. He loves me, but he didn't want me to stay at the end of that season. And after I left, he's had five foreign coaches. Sorry, four foreign coaches and one local coach, and they're all taking him to FIFA. They're taking him to PSL DRC. So you know, you you, you need to you need to stick by the people that have ambition, want to win things, want to do bigger and better. And if something else comes up after that, like it does in management, when when you know you, you start at a lower league and then you work your way up into like Graham Potter did, Graham Potter, you know you do your um, what is it your is, um, your coaching license every three years, your CPD, right? I went to Burton Albion and Graham Potter was a speaker. He was doing a, a talk on his career, and I thought. Wow, that's not bad, but it's not. It's got, it's got nothing on mine. But I've never had that opportunity. The next thing, Graham Potter's at Brighton, and he's done really, really well. But remember, those players he's had at Brighton are, are not superstars. They're not big hitters. They're not earning 150, 200,000 a month. 
you know, and, and he's gone from that environment in Brighton where he's got a good family together, then he's got a bunch of individual world-class players that now he has to man-manage. And, and, and that's the thing, you know, I, I believe in. It's that, it's that man-management part of the game. And you've uh, you've got that experience now. You're not just an ex-player who's become a head coach. You, you've actually got a proven track record as a head coach, but it just doesn't seem to count for much. I mean, you, you have worked in the UK. I think you've been under-18s head coach at Burton and Chesterfield. Is that right? Have I got that right? Kilmarnock. Yeah, but not... Um, you haven't had kind of that that opportunity to, to go any further than that what do you think it is do you think it's that you get disregarded because um because you haven't got I mean, the right agent or, or or what is it you, you know because you you've you've won i think seven trophies since 2017 you've you've gone in um four clubs in the relegation zone in the south african premier division kept them all up you know the club that you've just come into they've only won two games all season bottom of the table all of a sudden you come in, they win four games in a row and you've got them to the quarterfinals of the equivalent of the Europa League. But no no one from any clubs in Europe is calling you, are they? Why is that? I don't know. I mean, I speak to... Obviously, I'm good friends with Emre Berardi and he's got a very good agency. You know, and uh, I know um, Mark Rankin at base... Uh, I know John Newsom, who's who's now a, a former teammate and who's, who's working for an agency in London. But Imre Variety told me, he says, there's bigger and better out there uh, that are applying for jobs. You know, so for instance, Wigan Athletic, Sam Allardyce is going for it. You know, there's, you know, when, when there's, there's, there's jobs in the, in the championship, there's Alan Pardews, the likes of Alan Pardews are going for it. So I'm like, oh, I've only coached in Africa. That, that doesn't matter. Problem is, a lot of African players are playing in the English Premiership, so it, it, it can't be that bad a standard, you know. But like, like a, you know, the, the one thing Imre said to me says, "There's bigger and better out there." But my reply to that is, "Yeah, but they've been sacked not once, not twice, not three times, but four, five, six times, and they still get the opportunity, you know." And okay, I, I was sacked once here, um, but that that's from circumstances with that way out of my control. And like I say, it would ju- it'd just be just be nice to get one one interview. And if I do it, great. If I don't do it, then I know obviously it's not what they're looking for. Um, okay, can I ask you quickly? Sorry, like what what level would you go into at your lowest in management in England? Level any, two, lead one. I'm just I'm just ask him. If anyone's listening, Vanarama uh, or whatever it's called. You know, it's it's like I say, it's it's about you know. I believe I, I, I have so much confidence in what I can do. Yeah. You know, and, and I believe that you know I've been brought up the pro- proper way in football. You know, yes, I've got a great social life. Yes, I, I I love to to spend my time. You know, going out and talking to people and meeting people. But when it when it comes to my job, I, I don't switch off like now. You know, we've got the, we've got the Euros. You know, I've got to find. I've got to find, luckily, the clocks have gone forward, so it's only an hour's difference now. Um, but, you know, I'll be finding a pub somewhere um, and, and I'll be, you know, begging them to put the TV on for, for the football because obviously it's a rugby country here. So, um, but I'll be, I'll be watching just to pick up something. 
you might see a corner, you might see a free kick, you might see a throw in, you might see a, a, a you know a player that you know you've got in your team that you know a Luka Modric. You think, well, let's see how Modric plays because we've got a player called Sisu, kind of the same same player. Let me see if I can improve him yeah. the way Modric plays. Is he? Is he? Does he? Is his awareness better? Is his is his space uh, awareness better? Is he, does he run forward? Does he play forward? Does he play? And that's what I do. And, and I say, you know, it'll be probably past midnight. You know, by the time I get home to bed, but then I've got to plan in the morning. So I'm up at six o'clock, making sure that everything's to plan. Um, but as today happened, <laughs> I went to work and just ripped everything up. Right, Mark Ruby's here now. He's, he's trying right. to go off his phone. Okay, well I'll. I'll ask him, and you've got to tell him, Dylan, you've got to give him instructions. Yeah. He's got to pretend that you're not there and <laughs> honest answers. Yeah. So do, do you want to um, do you want to introduce him, Dylan, first? Yes. Um, guys, uh, I know this is a bit off the, off the, off the mark with uh, Steve Koppel, the legendary Steve Koppel, the wing wizard of Man United, and a former Reading coach, uh, not being available tonight, but uh, I'd like to introduce to one of my players. He's my captain. Uh, I've worked with him twice, once at TTM when we when we won the Nedbank Cup, um, which obviously he's going to show you. He'll probably want to show you. He got player of the tournament. Um, he's from Zimbabwe. He's, uh, his name's Washington Ruby, and he's the goalkeeper. And um, like I said, I'm going to leave the building now because I don't want him to say too many nice things to me. But I'll, I'll hand you over to, to him, Mark, so... Ladies and gentlemen of Reading Football Club, this is Washington Arubi. And Dylan, come back in a couple of minutes, all right. Watch he doesn't take the trophy. Yeah, watch out for oh, him. Oh, no, no, I'll make sure he doesn't have the keys. <laughs> Washington, um, we, we're delighted to speak to you. So this is the 1871 podcast and uh, it's for fans of Reading Football Club. Dylan obviously used to play. He's in the... Hall of Fame for Reading Football Club as well. He, he was player of the season one season. Um, he's spoken highly of you. Uh, you've worked together before. Just, just, tell us, just tell us what it is that he's done. So he's come into Marumo Gallants and you've won two league games all, all of a season, all, all of a, you know, all season. And then all of a sudden he comes in, you win the next four games in a row. What, what's happened? Is that a change in mentality or? What has he done that's different from what you were doing before? Okay, well, good evening, good evening. Uh, yeah, no, um, with, uh, with our coach, with the, you know, he's like a father figure to everyone and motivated at the same time. He knows uh, where you're coming from because we once been in this situation before. Then uh, the time he came here, we managed, we managed to, to win like a Netbank Cup and we survived. And so what is happening now? We once uh, went through this uh, these events before, so he's still he's using the same philosophy that he used before for us to to survive and win the the Nippon Cup. Right now, we managed to 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 win about um, we win we won one game and two draws with him, and now we are in the quarterfinals of Cup Confederation Cup, which is a big big achievement for the club. If you remember, our club is still new in the system. So we just take me from there going forward. Yeah, uh, and what what is the the key thing that he's given you? Is it is it motivation? Is it encouragement? Is it support? What what do you think it is that's made the difference for you as a player? Yeah, he, the difference with, with him is he makes each and every player to believe. 
you know, even he doesn't just try to 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 focus on the first eleven, first twenty. Everyone, he respects and every player, you know, for the player to grow to grow their confidence. Even if you are not playing, you can feel that you feel like you as if you are playing, you are part of the team. So I think that's the difference that the coaches around that that coach this team. You know, right now we are already in the quarterfinals. Already he's telling other players that you've been not playing. Like, hey guys, this is your chance because you left one game. You have to push. You're gonna play this game. So I can see some of these boys already. We started training today. They're already pumped because already they they are now knowing that they're gonna play the last game of the confederation of the qualifiers. So they wanna put themselves on the line and also for the next game of the league. Yeah, and, and uh, Johnny, I'll let you come in for the next question. But uh, Washington, I just want to ask you. Obviously, when Dylan came in, you're you're bottom of the table in the South African Premier Division. Um, he's now managed to help you get into the quarterfinals of the CAF Confederation Cup, which is similar to the Europa League in Europe. Um, what does what does that mean to you personally? Because you're representing South Africa. You know, you're okay. You're bottom of the, the table in the league. But now, all of a sudden, you're in the last eight of the equivalent of the Europa League, so it's a big deal for you. What what does that mean for you that he's kind of helped you um, achieve that in such a short space of time since he's come in? Yeah, you know, for us to qualify for the country, it's my first time, you know, because I once played this uh, tournament before the time I, I played in, in in my country, like in Zimbabwe, I'm originally from Zimbabwe. But we didn't manage even to get out of the group stages or to reach this stage where we are right now. For me, it's a great achievement, especially on my CV or so, you know. So that going forward, when I just bring put my CV down there, you know, people, that's, those are the type of things people that look at, you know. And I wish to keep on working with them until if, they, if I say, okay, I'm going to retire right now. I just wish to, to keep on working with them because I feel like he's someone who makes you to believe and also makes you to grow as a person. Because it makes you understand what is supposed to be happening in any situation. Yeah, Johnny, have you got a question for Washington? Yeah, no, I was just going to say, like, on we, I think you know, anyone that's listening or watching this, you know, the enthusiasm Dylan's got for football is amazing, and it's great to hear from somebody that actually works under him that it, it's there. When you're working with him in a training session, we have to ask this: How many times does he swear, and does he mention his obsession with eighties music to any of you at all? <laughs> No, we, we we now used to him, you know, but him is that type of person that if you swear with you, eh, within two minutes you come and say, okay, sorry, I swear with you. Okay, sharp, let's just keep on going. He's that type of person. But it's not like when he swears, you know, he doesn't just take out his anger. You know, he's always trying to be a nice person, but some of us, we are used to him because he, we, you try to always hold his anger inside, but he's always a winner. He's, he's a soul loser. He doesn't like losing. Really? Is that, is that the biggest thing for him? And how did, well, and like as a keeper, from him being a you know outfield player, how does he how does he work with you? Yeah, yeah. To, he always hammer me. You know, he doesn't want me to concede. You know, every time I concede a goal, he always being on top of me. But uh, to be honest with you, you know, the time he came here, um, from the uh, from the time we started this season, uh, uh, okay, I started on top of my game. Then I started going down. Then the time he came back, you know, some of his, most of his dreams, they always make me be a better keeper, you know, because some of his dreams doesn't do much. You always focus on finishing, 
defend everything, every aspect. If we focus on that, but in a small space, he doesn't do this thing of 11 versus 11. No, okay. here we don't play 11 versus 11. We don't even know what is 11 versus 11. The only time you play 11 versus 11 when you go into the game, that's it. Oh. And also, he, he, there's something that he brings that most of the players are happy about, but him, he doesn't know. You know, just to let the players to rest and give the players that come in, the, you know, that comfort zone, like to do whatever they want to do. You know, because players sometimes they feel like, you know, when you always being on top of them, they end up they you know, chickening out and being scared. So yeah. you may give and every player the condition, do what you wanna do, but as long as you give me what I want on the field of the play. And whatever, even if you do something on your social life and all that, but come to training, be a better person. Wow. That's, that's a great leader to have, isn't it? Sorry. Yeah. It's a great leader to have, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, too much. Too much. Especially with uh, especially with African players. You know, I feel like uh, they don't want to be, you know, to be, to be, to, to, to be shouted yet too much because some we are different. We yeah. some of them don't take this thing. They take these things personal. Then they end up being scared and scared of uh, putting uh, work on it on everything, and they end up not even putting uh, like end up their confidence going down. Yeah, I, I just want to ask you one one final question. Are you you're the captain, right, of Maroon Regalans? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm the vice captain. So I just want to ask you, so the vice captain, the captain, what responsibility have you got to, you know, make sure whatever Dylan's instructions to the team are, that, that you deliver those instructions to the team? Is that a big part of your responsibilities? Yeah, exactly. Because um, him, we always... He always send us like when he gives like okay, tell I tell the players okay, guys, you must tell the players. The first thing he does is he talks to us before before he delivers whatever he want to deliver to the players. Then you ask us is, is is it a good idea or not a good idea? Then we just advise each other like him, me, and the other captain. And then we just sit down. Then we just discuss. Then decide, which is good because most most of these coaches, most of the coaches, they just you know decide on themselves, not even discussing with other people. But yeah. also, you also the platform to his assistants, you know, to bring that unity as a team, like these technical people. Yeah. Because I feel like him also, he knows where he's coming from. I think he likes <laughs> cry when it comes to his assistants, people who are on his back. He doesn't trust. <laughs> well, Washington, I, I just want to say to you, thanks ever so much, yeah. because we were hoping that we were going to get Steve Koppel who was the former Reading manager. He used to play for Manchester United. He's a legend as a player, legend as as a manager as well. Uh, he couldn't make it tonight. So thank you for stepping in for Steve Koppel. It's been a pleasure to to speak yeah. to you. So we got to speak to a current player. So that's great. And wish you well for the rest of the season, Washington. Um, okay. Do you, to, uh, do you want to see if Dylan can come back in now? Yeah, no, I, before he comes, I just want to also thank you guys for bringing me on your platform, you know. It's an honour to me. And also, you know, I feel special. I feel special right now. You know, it's something right. that is a, I have to keep on doing. You know, it makes me also grow. And also, I've been listening to your uh, interview with him, you know. There's something that I'm picking also that he used where he was playing and also that, that he's using. And also, I have to I have to pick up those type of stuff so that when the time I'm going to retire, I have to use it. Towards yeah. other players. Yeah. yeah. And also, you guys, um, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. No, well, pleasure to speak to you, Washington. Thank you. Good luck for thank the rest you. of the season. Good luck. And, and here comes Dylan. So, yeah. we knew, um, Dylan, thanks for that. 
that was great. So he, he stood in for Steve Koppel, basically. Yeah. No, it was brilliant. No, thank you. Like I say, I just heard him as I came in about retiring. He doesn't know I'm going to release him at the end of the season. <laughs> 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 he's got his P45. He's got his P45. Uh, uh, no, he's, he seems like a good guy. He seems like um, he's already kind of thinking ahead. But look, I want to bring it back. Obviously, it's a Reading podcast. We were hoping yeah. to get uh, Steve Koppel on. He couldn't make it. I'm, I'm sure he'll come back. He, he's been a guest on Series 1. Actually, our next guest coming up um, on... So we're recording it on Thursday. goes out on Friday evening. Is Bob Lenardutzi, who played for Reading in the 70s. Uh, first Canadian player to play for Reading. He's living back in Canada now. So looking forward to speaking to him. He was uh, he was a great player for Reading back all those all those years ago. But... Let's bring it back to Reading now. And uh, Johnny and Dylan want to ask your opinion. So the next game coming up uh, is 1st of April, away to Bristol City. And then the games come thick and fast. I think it's seven games in April or is it, I don't, what is it, eight games left? Yeah, uh, seven in April, one in May, I think, isn't it? Something that's like that. It. Yeah. So, um, Johnny, I just want to ask you first about the six-point deduction. It's kind of a lot of Reading fans... Uh, assuming it's going to happen, we kind of got to that point. Is it sort of no news is good news? Or, you know, James Earnshaw we had on, he said, yeah. yes, it's definitely happening this season. Do do we, are we 99% sure it's going to happen? Are we 100% sure? What What's your... You know, with, with the EFL, Mark, I think they're an absolute joke, the way that they do things. Um, who knows? They'll probably wait until we're like, you know, we're... we're Seven, six points clear of relegation on the last day. Go, oh, yeah, I have six point deduction to bring you back down now. We told you so. Get the naughty stick out. Who knows? Like, it, it's an absolutely bizarre way of doing things. You know, we're either broken the rules or we haven't. What's, you know, you, t- you say it now, say it next week, say it three weeks ago when it was it three weeks ago, wasn't it, when it came out? Something like that. <laughs> yeah. And like, like, here we are, we're still waiting. And like, you're going, Somebody knows. <laughs> Somewhere has to know what's going on. Um, yeah. Wigan got that three points for not paying the wages. <clears throat> That's fine. That's you know whatever. Um, I, I I don't know what anyone wants to say any more about it. Like you know, you know, you think within a two week window before the last stretch of the season, something would be said. Silence, silence, silence. It's not fair on the team. It's not fair on the manager. It's not fair on the fans. But. I don't think we really matter to the the football league the way they do things. To be honest, yeah, it's a it's a bizarre situation. And um, Dylan, want to want to bring you in now. Obviously, you you still follow Reading. You know, you're you were great player, Reading legend, player of the season in the Hall of Fame. Now, um, back in September, you you uh, went into the Hall of Fame, uh, and and you do follow Reading, don't you? And it just seems like a case of it's still. You know, Reading paying the price really for mismanagement. You know, since um, the likes of Steve Coppel and Brian McDermott left, and new owners and and that sort of thing, and obviously we're still paying paying the price for that. Do you kind of think, um, as a lot of Reading fans do, that it's it's a case of just get to the summer, you know, do what we need to do to stay up, bit of sort of fingers crossed mode, really, isn't it? And then. And then there's a reset in the summer and we can hopefully put all this behind us. Or is it a case of, you know, are we going to go into next season and we might get more points deductions? I mean, what from what you understand, Dylan, what what do you kind of see 
for the year ahead for Reading, really? Well, the, the board or the chairman, you know, obviously doesn't really care about the club from what I read and, you know, what I've read over the last few years. You know, they need to clean the house. They need to, they need to, you know, wake up and, and get things right. You know, the, it's, it's a, it's a massive club. It's a massive club outside of London. It's got a great stadium. It's got some loyal fans that are just begging for the club to just, you know, put clarity on, you know, what is the problem? And if there is a problem, why aren't we fixing it? Why are we not getting rid of that problem? You know, and, and you know, from an outsider looking in, you know, it, it, it seemed like, say, over the, over the years, it's just got worse and worse and worse. And, you know, one agent that Reading have always used, you know, that was a big disaster, you know, because there were players that were coming into the club that was just one agent's players. And, and, and it seemed to be, you know, they, they, were, they were signing these players without the manager's say so and 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 they weren't very good players at the end of the day and again you know when you give players two three year contracts unlike in South Africa you don't get your full two years three years contract you have to pay them up you know and, and having a club like Reading not being able to play salaries I mean it, it's crazy you know John Badesky would have had a problem back in the 90s but he didn't he kept a tight ship he made sure that the budget he had was, was spent Mark couldn't go over budget. Mark, uh, and Quinny and Jordy couldn't go over. Bolivar couldn't go over it. So you know, he, they, they had a chairman that who was a multi-millionaire back in the day. By the way, you know he was he was minted, John. You know, and he, he could have afforded anything, but he, he had a budget. He had a he had a he had, a, he had a, a, a way of getting the best out of his management, and the management got the best out of the players. And that's what they've got to do before before the Reading becomes a club that you know, loses its identity. And we get another owner. We get another Russian uh, owner, which, you know, was a disaster. And, and Dylan, you're, you're a Man United fan. You know, you're presumably a, a fan of Paul Ince as, as a player. Um, we, we've put, we, we did an episode recently where we asked the question based on the opinions of Reading fans, because some Reading fans think Paul Ince should stay. Some Reading fans think he should go. So we kind of, you know, asked the question, what what should should happen? I asked Johnny what he thought. What what do you, because there is a lot of support for Paul Ince. A lot of people think that he deserves a chance. He deserves a chance to take Reading to the end of the season, hopefully keep them up. Um, and then it it's job done. Some Some fans think there should be a change now to make sure Reading do stay up. Some fans think that's the wrong thing to do. What what do you think about the the role that Paul Ince has you know got now until the end of the season? Because he's he's been under whatever you want to say about him, whatever you want to say about the the players, etc. He's had a lot to kind of deal with. It's a bit like one of your situations in South Africa, where he's had all these you know restrictions with the transfer embargo, and you know players have have got injured and people might not like his style or whatever but um you know if, if he, we don't know yet if Reading are going to stay up obviously but if he keeps Reading up actually a lot of people will say well he's he's done a decent job what what's your view of of that whole take on the job that Paul Ince is is doing should he be given a chance should he definitely stay until the end of the season what's your view he's got to stay at the end of the season to the end of the season you know to change it now 
you know, that, that's going to... Well, it could, it could go either both ways. It could work. It could, it could go pear-shaped. I mean, changing it now with, I think, is it eight games to go? I don't think they'll go down. I mean, if they get the six points taken off them and lose the first, the next three games, then there's going to be a lot of pressure on him. Um, but Paul Ince is Paul Ince. You know, I don't think he... Nobody expected him to get the job when he first got the job. Uh, if you're honest, I think they all wanted Gareth Ainsworth. You know, at, um, at Wickham, I think there were a lot of other candidates that they wanted to bring to the club. But Paul Ince got the job. You know, he did a good job in his first season. The restrictions that he had. Um, you know, he obviously he obviously has got the, the the backing of the board, which is good. You know, I'm hoping it's from his not from his playing career. I'm hoping it's from his you know from from Paul Ince as is now. You know, he's got the character. I think he, he he's, he's disciplined. I think he knows what what the way he wants to play. But obviously, things that have happened to him, injuries, suspensions, results, you know, he, he, he's trying to find that right balance. Like yeah. I said, if he can get players in that dressing room to believe in what he's going to bring for the next eight games, like I have, I've got seven games, I've got to win four. Yeah. I've got to win four. You know, there's no there's no... Excuses. I have got to win the next four games. I yeah. don't need to go into the last three games needing nine points because it'll never happen. Yeah. So I've got to make sure that as of tomorrow, when they do decide that they're going to train, I've got to prepare these players and get that belief in them that they can survive because they are they're, 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 they're playing for the jobs and so are ready players. They're playing for a new contract. They're playing for an extension of a contract or maybe they're playing for a move. Sure. So getting that it's getting that message over to them, right, guys, this is where we are. This is what we've got. Eight eight games, twenty-four points, this is what we need. We need another twelve points for safe. We need another nine points, whatever points they need. Because that dog fight, you don't want to be a dog fight in, 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 in any situation. Sure. I inherited the situation. I was at mid table. I was in the top eight. I was rock bottom with nine yeah. games to go. Yeah. You know, I've won one league game, I've drawn two league games. We should have won all three. Yeah. You know, but the circumstances are, are, are different. But I believe that this team can stay up. And that's what Paul Ince has got to do. He's got to believe in the football club. All right. Well, thanks, thanks ever so much for your views, uh, Dylan and, and Johnny. Great to speak to Washington as well. And, um, yeah, we'll uh, we'll look um, look to speak to Steve Koppel on our next episode. So, um, yeah, uh, thanks for joining us. Hope you enjoyed that, and um, we'll uh, we'll get Steve Koppel on the the next episode. So, um, yeah, great to chat to you all, and uh, see you next time. Sports Social Podcast Network.